So we're continuing um, the pastime of Kardamamuni, Kapiladev, Devahuti, previously in this chapter also Lord Brahma, and Kardamamuni had offered these wonderful prayers to his son. Usually most people don't pray to their son. But in this case, if your son happens to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead, you can make an exception. <laughs> and, um, and then, at the end of last week's class, Karnama Muni started asking for a very interesting benediction. Even though he had the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his house, he had his wife who was a, I think we could say, Maha Bhagavat. She's, she's, first of all, she's the daughter of Swayambhuva Manu. Uh, second of all, she's the mother of the Supreme Lord. <laughs> she's, so uh, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, and as in some places, not, not here, but in some places, Srila Prabhupada says, that if you have a good household situation, there's no need to take sannyas. So why would he want to do that? But yet, in the last verse that we covered just, uh, last week, that is indeed what he did. So we're going to hear a little bit about that today. And then we'll go on to the next chapter, which we're going to take a little time with, maybe do take two classes for that, because it's such an important chapter, one of the most quoted chapters, certainly in this canto and, and in the whole Bhagavatam, uh, the glories of devotional service, Kapila Dev. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So also thank you Henry for reminding us so we will not have class next week and I don't know if it makes sense. That means so that's the 17th. So that means Christmas Eve is the following Sunday. Um, I don't do anything on Christmas Eve except go to sleep early. Uh, but um, so I'm, I'm guessing that we will have class. Uh, if, if not, we'll send out an email. But I think we should count on it. And then I don't know about New Year's Eve because that is a time when I think we're having a kirtan here in the temple, um, so I'm not sure about New Year's Eve, but definitely Christmas Eve I plan to, as of now, otherwise I'll send out an email. Okay? Okay? So, he just asked for this benediction, now Kapila Dave's gonna speak. Oh, so, uh, so we're on 25 then, right? Uh, 35, sorry. Whatever I speak, whether directly or in the scriptures, is authoritative in all respects for the people of the world. O Muni, because I told you before that I would become your son, I have descended to fulfill this truth. Um, and in the purport, Srila Prabhupada says that even though he had the supreme personality of Godhead as his son, he had to respect the authority of the Vedas. This is a very important lesson. Even if one has God in his home or uh, as his son, one should, one should still follow the Vedic injunctions. It is stated, Mahajana yena katasa panta. 
one should traverse uh, the path which is followed by great personalities. So this is, this is um, fascinating. Um, we talk about guru, sadhu, and shastra, right? That these are these three um, what, uh, checks and balances, you might say, right? Um, and we say, for example, here, like it says here, Mahajani Yenikatasa Panta, previously in that verse it says, Dharmasya Tatvam Nihitam Guhayam. Guhayam means mystery or secret, right? Um, and dharmasya, the truth of dharma, dharmasya tatvam, nihitam guhayam. It's in the heart of the great devotees, right? But we may not be able to distinguish who's a great devotee and who's not a great devotee, so we also balance that with other devotees, guru, sadhu, and then there's shastra. And shastra usually is the basis upon which you compare the other two. Now, of course, in the, when we hear this word Vedic authority, we have to be a little careful because we know if we've studied, for example, the Bhagavad Gita, the third chapter in, uh, comes to mind in particular, but other parts of the Bhagavad Gita, that the Vedas say many things. Even Krishna says, um, He says the Vedas mainly deal with the three modes of material nature. Rise above those gunyas, gunas. Right? Be transcendental to all of them, Krishna says in the Gita. So we, we just have to be a little careful when we hear the authority of the Vedas. We're talking specifically in, in this verse, the authority of the bhakti literature, the Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad Gita, etc. Um, so if we're talking in that sense, we should follow Vedic injunctions. The reason I say that is, if Prabhupada will even quote in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, a few verses, like by Medavendra Puri, where he says, you know, all these Vedic customs, just the ritual, he says, I bid you farewell. Cello. <laughs> right. And he says, I just want to worship the Lord. Or I think earlier we read, I think maybe it was last week, that the devotee was praying, I don't care about the Vedas or Puranas, I'm just interested in Nanda Maharaj. Right? That's a very high level of devotion, but so just to keep that in mind. But this wonderful statement, Mahajana Yena Kata Sapanta. One should traverse the path which is followed by the great personalities. And that beautiful analogy is given, right? That the great personalities, they cross the ocean of material existence in the boat of Krishna's lotus feet. Um, but the nice thing is they return the boat back to the other, to the original shore so that we can also get on it. So, <laughs> so that's nice. And then later on, in the, towards the end of the purport, it says, in this age, hearing is more important than thinking because one's thinking may be disturbed by mental agitation. But if one concentrates on hearing, he'll be forced to excuse me, to associate with the sound vibration of Krishna. Krishna and the sound vibration Krishna are non-different. So if one loudly vibrates Hare Krishna, he will be able to think of Krishna immediately. The process, this process of chanting is the best process of self-realization in this age. Therefore, Lord Chaitanya preached it so nicely for the benefit of all humanity. So um, there's, uh, here it says that, Hearing is more important than thinking. So we have shravanam, 
Kirtanam Vishnu Smarnam. Right? Shravanam means hearing. Kirtanam and Smarnam, remembering. So those two lead to the remembrance. It's not so easy to just remember Krishna's pastimes. But when we hear and chant, the remembrance comes without any great effort. Um, I remember one time taking a taxi from Vrindavan to Delhi, and I was with this person who um, was uh, following the Babaji's in, in, in um, Radhakund. And the Babaji's, um, we can't, you know, they're all the different, so you can't make a sweeping generalization, but their basic idea is that Leela Smarnam is the way to perfect perfection by remembering the pastimes of the Lord. And he even had one of these watches that every um, 48 minutes uh, an alarm went off and he would say what, what Leela was happening at that time. Um, but it's not the recommended. <laughs> uh, Lord Chaitanya emphasized the chanting of the holy names. And that by end, so, so there's uh, Nam, Rup, Guna, Leela, right? Um, the holy name Nam Rup, the form of the Lord, Guna, the qualities of the Lord, and Leela, the pastimes of the Lord. And it's said in many places that by focusing on the Nam, the name, the other three become manifest. So that's what Srila Prabhupada kind of seems referring to here. Hearing is more important than thinking. Because it's not easy to just think of the pastimes. What you hear about them, and you chant Krishna's names, just like we sang that that song just now, that was a song all about Krishna's pastimes, Yasomati Nandana, etc. Rajabodo Nagar. Okay. Any thoughts on either of those two points in this purport? Should work. Hare Krishna. So Prabhu, I'm thinking... Um, oh no, by... you shouldn't be thinking, you should be hearing and chanting. <laughs> so when we hear from our ears, and our mind is also engaged. Yes. So basically, or when we uh, recite or chant, as I'm speaking, my mind is also trying to focus on what I'm saying. So basically, in parallel, my one or more senses are engaged together right. in thinking or speaking about the Lord. And uh, so, I mean, automatically, the purification to whatever degree it's coming, it is happening to my senses. Yes. So I was just trying to relate that how uh, by hearing or chanting, how it's helping to, for uh, like you said, the, when we say the names, we chant the names, the, automatically the qualities and pastimes, those things, they manifest. Gradually. So Step by step. Yeah. Yes, well, how does that happen? Well, ultimately by Krishna's mercy, <laughs> by Krishna's kindness. Um, but, it's, but it's also practical that whatever you read and whatever you talk about, you're naturally going to think about, right? If you read, uh, you know, the news all day, you'll be thinking about Donald Trump all day <laughs> because he, he seems to take the air out of the news, right? Or whatever, you know. Or if you're, or if you're constantly following the football games, you know, when you're with somebody, you're going to start talking about all the football games, right, uh, and think about, about them. So whatever, um, what we talk about and what we read or hear um, has an indelible uh, effect on the consciousness. So that's why we are, um, so we, 
we don't exactly have the idea, you know, like in Islam, they have this idea of haram, right? Right, that those things that cannot be done, right? So like some, it, they would say things like, you know, going to movies or listening to mundane music or something like that, haram, right? Why do they do that? Because they want to focus on Allah and on the Supreme, things like that. So we may not have that kind of like, we have the same statements by Srila Prabhupada in his books, similar statements anyway, right? We may not call them haram. I don't know if it, you know, if that haram, you could, anyway, that's a whole other thing. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita about saying that, and then it sounds like the holy names of Hare or Ram. But, um, so we should be careful about what we hear about and what we talk about, because that will make the samskar, the impression in the, in the mind. And that's what we'll think about. That's the importance of devotee association. We are looking yeah. to do these two about the holy names of Krishna so that we think around that. Yeah, especially if you, the devotee association, you talk about Krishna. <laughs> if you go, if you hang out with devotees and you start talking about the politics or the sports, then <laughs> it doesn't help much. Okay, so next verse. Yes. That's about the samskaras for this question. Mm -hmm. The impressions the subtle body carries to the next life. Yeah, I know. Too bad. But um, <laughs> which component, Prabhu? Is it mind? Which what? Is the mind the... Well, mind, intelligence, and ego, false ego. All these three are... Uh, yeah, that's what it says, the subtle body. No, the... Uh, the impressions. Oh, what are the impressions? Well, they're called purva samskars. I've always thought they were impressions on the mind. But, you know, mind and false ego are not too far apart. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure. I've always thought it was, I've heard the words like mental impressions and things like that, but I'm not, but I'm not positive to what extent these samskars affect the intelligence and the false ego. It's a good question. Anything else? Just follow on. If there are any two minds, Prabhu, that like uh, the subtle mind and as well as the external mind, because uh, the mind uh, we have right now uh, is thinking about the current stuff. It cannot remember the past or present. Uh, but like the samaskaras, what Prabhu mentioned, is getting carry, carry forward for the next life. Uh, well, I'm thinking now of the nectar of devotion where we hear about the uh, aparabdha karma, parabdha karma, kuta, and bija, right? If you remember way back, if you were here when we studied the nectar of devotion, um, and the aparabdha, and now these are the, the aparabdha karma is kind of the desires. So where do those desires sit is an interesting question, but so aparabdha is this big vat, you could say, or container, of so many desires from so many lifetimes, right? And one of them percolates up a little bit, and uh, then there's uh, um, kuta next, is that right? This is a little psychological inclination. You know, you just, uh, the examples of you're driving along and you see the bank and you say, nah, I don't want to rob a bank. I mean, come on, you wouldn't, really shouldn't do that. And then bija, the seed of really wanting to do it takes place. And then the prabdha, you actually do it. You rob the bank, you get caught. And uh, 
you get the reaction for that now, and it creates more desires in the, in the unmanifested. It goes back to the aparabdha, and, and it adds more to that. So where that actually sits, that's an interesting question with mind, intelligence, or ego. But we have all these different desires from previous lifetimes. So I don't know if it's exactly two minds. I've never you know, read that. We, you know, we hear, Bumir apo nalo vayu kangmana buddhirevacha, ahankara, the earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, the singular there, intelligence and ego. We know we can be of two minds. We use that word, right? I'm, you know, should, should I go to India next? Well, I'm of two minds. <laughs> but it's the same mind having two different opinions. Right? But at this, and it's also, I think, the same mind that acts when it's purified. Right? Because it said, Udared Atman Atmanam, Natmanam Avasadyat, Atmaiva Hyatmano Bandur, Atmaiva Viparatmanaha, in the sixth chapter, verse five of the Gita. It says that mind can be your vipur, your enemy, or your bandur, your friend. It doesn't say there's two minds, one's your friend, one's your enemy, but the same mind can be one or the other. Now, usually for us, it's a little bit of both. It's a bit of a kitri right now, right? That it's sometimes our friend, sometimes our enemy, right? You know, so obviously our friend for all of us sitting in this room, because we all braved the cold weather and the snow to come here, so the mind took part in that decision. Hopefully the intelligence was kicked in. Is that all right? Oh, sorry. Follow on from so consciousness and mind. How to differentiate? Well, that's a, that we'll get to that in a later, a little later. I think in Kapila's teachings, because sometimes he has four. He he says mind, intelligence, ego, and contaminated consciousness. Chitta, right? Yeah. So let's let's um, when we get there, we'll. Talk about that in detail. Okay, thank you, Prabhu. Because I have to study that a little bit more to understand it. Anything else? By my appearance in this world is especially to explain the philosophy of Sankhya, which is highly esteemed for self-realization by those desiring freedom from the entanglement of unnecessary material desires. And a little few things in the purport, about three sentences down. Modern civilization is supposed to be making advancement in scientific knowledge. But what is this scientific knowledge? It is based on bodily comforts only, without knowledge that however comfortable one maintains his body, the body is destructible. And then a little further, one sentence, two sentences later, that soul is eternal, but the body is not eternal. For our activity, we must have a body. Without a body, without sense organs, see that the body is senses primarily, right? There is no activity, but people are not inquiring whether it is possible to have an eternal body. Actually, they aspire for an eternal body because even though they engage in sense enjoyment, that sense enjoyment is not eternal. So, it would be interesting if the world was all God conscious. Because would it, it wouldn't necessarily mean you'd shut down the physics department and the chemistry department and the biology department and the math department and all these things. But they would be, they would have uh, another focus or, or yeah, they, that might be. And they'd also be more aware of their limitations in, in any of those fields. Um, and that's kind of the point, often the point that Srila Prabhupada makes when he talks about science that 
if it's like here he says, if it's all based on the body, right, um, then is that really helping the goal of life, which is to be a lover of God? Is having an Amazon Echo, does that advance our, the real purpose of life, especially human life, or, you know, whatever, so many, because obviously to make one of those Amazon Echoes, or what is it, Alexia, whatever it is, um, I don't have one. Um, it, take, it took a lot of work to do that, right? So um, it's not necessarily that modern inventions, et cetera, are bad, um, but because if they can be used in, Krishna, in God's service, in Krishna's service, um, but in and of themselves, if they just make the body a little bit more comfortable, that's not what the reason we have a human body. Not that we have a human body to purposely be uncomfortable. That's not the point, right? Um, but that, and so that's the point here. It's interesting when he, when he says civil, modern civilization, because you know that, that famous one-liner by Mahatma Gandhi, you know, what do you think of Western civilization? And he said, I think it would be a good idea. Right? So, uh, so it, it is good to hear this regularly because we can get very, very caught up in just all the things that happen in the world. And it, it's good to remember and be aware of the world wasn't always like this. Certainly in different yugas, Satya, I mean, so if you go way back, Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, um, and even earlier ages, even, I mean, um, within my lifetime, I've seen things so much more complicated and, uh, and you know, I mean, there was a time when like, why would, I remember saying to somebody, I saw they had a computer, and I said, why would you ever want a computer? <laughs> and this was like uh, mid 80s, I guess, something like that, well, you know. Or, or what, these are only 10 years old, right? Now people, you know, someone who's born now can't, couldn't even imagine but there was a time without a cell, without a mobile uh, smartphone, right? But it was only 10 years ago. The iPhone was created 10 years ago, right? So um, we should just be, um, have a good philosophical approach to what's happening in the world and to the inventions of the world and all the things of the world because we don't want to lose track of the purpose of life. Some thoughts on that? Okay, move on then. Using my computer to read the Bhagavatam. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it, I always wondered it would be, it would have been very interesting to, uh, I maybe I mentioned this before, to go up to Srila Prabhupada if we could have at the time and, and they had pen drives and just tell them that all of your books and all of your lectures are on something this big. Right? Did I say that before? Yeah, yeah, amazing. This path of self-realization which is difficult to understand, has now been lost in the course of time. So it was lost even by Ganeer, let's speak of today. Please know that I have assumed this body of Kapila to introduce and explain this philosophy to human society again. Now, being sanctioned by, oops, by me, uh, Go as you desire, 
surrendering all your activities to me, conquering insurmountable death, worship me for eternal life. Purport, again, about science. The modern so-called scientists do not have sufficient means to understand the process of victory over birth and death. Now, I think even any kind of sober scientist would say the same thing. They might not accept that there is anything to be conquered over, um, but no one still has made uh, us eternal or even living past 80 or 90 years for the most part. I mean, could you imagine if there was a way to find out how to keep the body living to 120, 130, they would also have to figure out a way to um, you know, deal with wrinkles and, you know, and memory loss and you know, so many things. You might not want to live that long. Therefore, they set aside the question of birth and death. It's almost like, you know, don't lay that trip on my head. <laughs> right? uh, they do not consider it. They simply engage in the problems of the material body, which is transient and sure to end. Actually, human life is meant for conquering the insurmountable process, the cycle of birth and death. That can be done as stated here. Mam bhaja. One must engage in the devotional service of the Lord. So, in, other, in many places in the Shastra, and Srila Prabhupada will talk about how we, we, if we don't believe in karma and in reincarnation, there's such a strong tendency to live what, what the Shastra calls, or Prabhupada calls, an irresponsible life. So we need to work at that also. Because uh, you know, we, we sit here, we understand it theoretically. We may accept it theoretically. But it, uh, to really realize it deeply um, requires application. It requires, you know, when we have that uh, fork in the road, we choose the path that is the Krishna conscious path. That is the responsible path rather than the irresponsible path. And the mind has a tendency to choose the irresponsible path. Um, what's that verse? Krishna buli sejiv anadhir bahirmu. We turned our back on Krishna for so many lifetimes, and those samskars are still there. And so it takes some real conscious choice to make the right choice. And to have that strength to do that is what we were talking in the beginning of class about hearing and chanting. That gives us spiritual strength to control the senses and mind. Otherwise, if you, again, because we're just doing the Bhagavad Gita, um, we're doing an overview of the Bhagavad Gita in 20 lessons every Saturday from 2 to 4. And uh, so we were doing that yesterday. Oh, and also last week, Vishaya Vinivartante, Niraha Rasya Dehinam, Rasam Rasavarjam Rasopyasya, Param Dristva Nivartate, that to keep the senses from the sense objects is not easy because you still have a taste for them. You're just controlling your senses to do it. But if you have a higher taste, piece of cake. That's easy. Okay, continuing. Oh yeah, Jiva. Hare Krishna. So again, you actually touched on that particular subject already that the modern scientists, they cannot find the solution for birth and death. She'll propose again and again challenge because their mindset is it's a disease mindset that we will try to live longer life, we will try to delay the death. And even if they 
means again, they cannot remove the threefold miseries from yeah. the life of people they are trying to prolong mm -hmm. in the process. And then population will become another trouble. So the mind plays a very strange role because the solution has its limitations. Even if they can somehow, I'm just saying magically, stop death from happening, which is not possible unless Krishna sanctions it, then the population will become a problem. And the threefold mysteries will become threefold stronger. That. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. If you had 30 million, 30 billion uh, Americans all consuming things like crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you could live a super long life, but all your friends and acquaintances couldn't, what? That would be painful to see your see your children die, to see your grandchildren die, see your great grandchildren die. That would be, uh, you know, and everyone that you loved or cared for. You know, and you're still around, right? Yeah. So, yeah. In, in your own heart, through your intellect, you will, all, uh, you will always see me, the supreme self-effulgent soul dwelling within the hearts of all living entities. Thus, you will achieve that the state of eternal life, free from all lamentation and fear. I shall also describe this sublime knowledge, which is the door to spiritual life, to my mother, so that she also can attain perfection and self-realization, ending all reactions in fruitive activities. Thus, she also will be freed from all material fear. Sri Maitreya said, thus when Karnama Muni, the progenitor of human society, was spoken to in fullness by his son Kapila. He circumambulated him and with a good pacified mind he at once left for the forest. The sage Kardama accepted silence as a vow in order to think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and take shelter of him exclusively. Without association he traveled all over the surface of the globe as a sannyasi devoid of any relationship with fire or shelter. It means he didn't cook for himself. He fixed his mind upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Parabrahman, who is beyond cause and effect, who manifests the threefold, uh, I'm sorry, the three modes of material nature, who is beyond those three modes and who is perceived only through unfailing devotional service. Thus he gradually became unaffected by the false ego of material identity and became, became freed from material affection undisturbed, equal to everyone, and without duality, he could indeed see himself also. His mind was turned inward and was perfectly calm, like an ocean unagitated by waves. He thus became liberated from conditioned life and became self-situated in transcendental devotional service to the personality of Godhead Vasudev, the omniscient supersoul within everyone. He began to see that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is seated in everyone's heart and that everyone is existing in him, on him because he is the super soul of everyone. Freed from all hatred and desire, Kardamamuni being equal to everyone because of discharging uncontaminated devotional service, 
ultimately attain the path back to Godhead. Yes. When I was reading this verse, that like Kardamamuni, uh, um, when the supreme personality of Godhead is right there, uh, why did he choose not to serve him and is going and doing this devotional service like uh, of going alone and um, uh, his state is getting elevated? Well, ultimately it was Krishna's desire, but uh, we, we covered that also where we, when he said, it said, Prabhupada said that he still followed the Vedic injunctions to teach others um, that, and Prabhupada mentions this often, in this context, not in all of his books, but in this context that if one has a, uh, a nice uh, son, then the husband can at a certain point uh, either take sannyas or at least renounce his job and uh, put the, uh, ha have his wife uh, well-situated comfortably uh, under the care of the eldest son. So have you already told Puncher this? That he's gonna eventually, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so he was, you know, setting an example for others, even though, because not everyone has the supreme personality of God as his son. But it was, you know, it was, uh, he was teaching, he was actually following, uh, you know, the teachings of Sankhya in, by doing this. And it was, uh, but it was also Krishna's arrangement so that um, uh, Kapila would teach his mom Right, and it's it's a it's it's a very cool in the shastra. We have these uh, examples of extremely intelligent and and uh, super qualified women, right? I mean, Kunti Devi's prayers are some of the most amazing prayers in the whole Srimad Bhagavatam, and Devahuti is going to hear all of this. So this this really complicated, um, detailed sankhya, right? You would think you know. You know, may, well, maybe you should present it to some kind of nerd or somebody. I don't know. No, he presented it to his mom, and she totally got it. Right. So that's all another uh, reason. So there's, you know, you know, often Christian with one act does many things. Right. Okay. Sure. Thank you. We're ready for the next chapter. Okay. The glories of devotional service. So Shonaka Rishi begins. Who's he speaking to? Yes, yes, no. Shona, yes, right. He's asking questions of Sutta Goswami. Yes, that's right. Uh, although he is unborn, the Supreme Personality of God had took birth as Kapila Muni by his internal potency. He descends, so not by Maya, by his internal potency. He descended to disseminate transcendental knowledge for the benefit of a whole human race. Shonaka continued, there is no one who knows more than the Lord himself. No one is more worshipable or more mature a yogi than he. He is therefore the master of the Vedas, and to hear about him always is the actual pleasure of the senses. Now, how convinced are we of that, that last part? And to hear about him always is the actual pleasure of the senses. And in the purport, right at the end, hearing from Krishna or his expansion or plenary expansion like Kapila Dev is very pleasing to the senses. Bhagavad Gita 
can be read or heard many times, but because it gives great pleasure, the more one reads Bhagavad Gita, the more he gets the appetite to read and understand it, and each time he gets new enlightenment. That is the nature of the transcendental message. Similarly, we find that transcendental happiness in the Srimad that we find that transcendental happiness in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The more we hear and chant the glories of the Lord, the more we become happy. So again, uh, like in that verse in the second chapter of the Gita, where it says, "What's day for the conditions for the liberated soul?" is night for the conditioned soul and vice versa. So most people wouldn't necessarily think that hearing and chanting the glories of the Lord is the way to become happy or one of the best ways to become happy. So therefore, because we're surrounded by a society that doesn't understand that, it's very important for us to experience that, not just theoretically, but practically. So, <clears throat> but still we are in this society, Prabhu. Um, isn't that nice, like still Prabhupada made it uh, in such a way that we are not totally depending on the society. He, he for, created the society so we're not totally dependent on it? Okay. Uh, on the, you know, like external society, like political systems. The external society, yeah, yes. Yeah. So. Right. Well, yes, um, especially in the early, when he was here in Iskand, most people lived in the temple and didn't uh, interact with the outside world so much uh, except for giving Krishna consciousness. Most people didn't have jobs and things like that as they do now. So uh, it was more of a, mon a monastic life. Um, but Lord, Ch uh, Lord Brahma, there's... Um, Lord Chaitanya quoted this where he says, Stanestita Shutikatam Tanam Vagmanobir. That don't you don't have to go off into the forest. Stay in your position. Stay in your which for many of us is our job. But Shuki but here and chant about Krishna. That protect that's like a creates like a Vaikunta bubble around us. Henry, you're experiencing that Vaikuntha bubble, right? Yesterday you were telling me. Yes. Anything else? Okay. What? Well, he just said how he's really uh, enjoying the chanting of the holy names. Therefore, please precisely describe all the activities and pastimes of the personality of Godhead, who is full of self-desire and who assumes all these activities by his internal potency. And then Sri Sukadeva Goswami is going to reply to Shonaka, and he's going to say them, and he's going to, he's so we have a story within a story within a story. And actually, within is another story, but that's, <laughs> okay, so Shonaka just asked Sutta Goswami uh, at Naimisharanya. Sutta Goswami is going to refer to Maitreya Muni's discussion with Vidura. Okay? The most powerful sage, Maitreya, was a friend of Vyasadev. Being encouraged and pleased by Vidura's inquiry about transcendental knowledge, Maitreya spoke as follows. Maitreya said, when Kardama 
left for the forest, Lord Kapila stayed on the strand of the Bindusarovara to please his mother, Devahuti. When, Kap when Kapila, who could show her the ultimate goal of the absolute truth, was sitting leisurely before her, Devahuti remembered the words Brahma had spoken to her, and she therefore began to question Kapila as follows. So Devahuti says, I am very sick of the disturbance caused by my material senses. For because of this sense disturbance, my Lord, I have fallen into the abyss of ignorance. So that's what we hope to do. We hope to just say, oh, Krishna, I am so sick of trying to, you know, be the enjoyer and the controller and and forgetting you for so long and just getting so beat up. Uh, the example uh, um, I like is, um, if you ever, anyone ever watch a uh, soccer match or what they call it in, in India football, right? And the, the people kick the ball all over. It's a very big field and the ball gets kicked all over the place. So imagine if you didn't watch the players but you only watched the ball. Okay, balls flying here, flying there, getting kicked here, getting kicked there, right? That's uh, what our mind is often like. <laughs> We're getting kicked around and going hither and thither. And so here Devahuti is, for our benefit, she's saying, oh, I surrender. All right, Krishna, I give up, I surrender, right? We sometimes do that. Right? And then, uh, this is a, from a song by my friend Ikendra, Ikendra Prabhu, and then it lets up a little bit. Everything, you know, the, the lights turn green a little bit. And then I, uh, I think I like it here. <laughs> right? So to have this, you know, this Devahuti was determined to learn not just, you know, Gucci Gucci Gu with her son, but to learn from him the absolute truth. So we're going to read this purport. Hear the words asad indriya uh, tarshanat is significant. Asad means, anyone know? Well, it's probably right there. Right? It means uh, temporary, right? Or impermanent, like we have sat, means eternal, asat temporary. Indriya, we know, means the senses. Thus, asat indriya tarshanat means from being agitated by the temporarily manifest senses of the material body, right? The senses that we have, our eyes, ears, nose, etc., they are not eternal. And matter of fact, not only that, but as one gets older, they start, they stop working as well, right? I know myself, like for example, I find um, if I'm in a busy place, and I'm having a conversation with someone, it's harder for me to hear them now than when I was in my 20s or 30s. The hearing is not as strong as it was. Right. We are evolving through different statuses of material bodily existence. Now this, not, not everyone knows. Sometimes in a human body, sometimes in an animal body. And therefore, the engagements of our material senses are also changing. 
right? We don't have the same, for example, taste for food as a hog, or as a bird, or as a cat, or as a dog, right? Like that. Prabhupada would used to say, right, if you give a, a, a hog some really nice halava, no thanks, but you give them something else that we won't mention, very nice. <laughs> right? So the senses are changing. Anything which changes is called temporary. This is right from that verse, na sato viseo pavo na bavo vijite sataha, in the second chapter of the Gita. That that which is temporary, in one sense you could say doesn't exist, in one sense. And that which is eternal never doesn't exist. So here, anything which changes is called temporary. Or asat. We should know that beyond these temporary senses are our permanent senses, which are now covered by the material body. So this is the difference between Vaishnavism and Mayavad, that they think that spirituality is, is no longer having senses. So it's a negation of the negative. But Krishna consciousness is the positive alternative of having senses but using them in Krishna's service and then, and then ultimately having permanent senses with a permanent spiritual body. Which are now, okay. The permanent senses being contaminated by matter are not acting properly. Devotional service therefore involves freeing the senses from this contamination. When the contamination is completely removed and the senses act in the purity of unalloyed Krishna consciousness, we have reached sad indriya, not asad, sad indriya, or eternal sensory activities. Eternal sensory activities are called devotional service, whereas temporary sensory activities are called sense gratification. Unless one becomes tired of material sense gratification, there is no opportunity to hear the tra hear transcendental messages from a person like Kapila. Devahuti expressed that she was tired. Now that her husband had left home, she wanted to get relief by hearing the instructions of Lord Kapila. Dev. Kapila. Any thoughts? Okay. Text eight. Your lordship is my only means of getting out of this darkest region of ignorance because you are my transcendental eye, which by your mercy only I have attained after many, many births. Right? So yeah, we say Shastra Chakshus, right? to see through the eyes of Shastra. Right? It's, it's really a challenge to do that, to really see the world and see our life and see our daily activities through the eyes of Shastra. Any thoughts on that? I have a question on previous point. Mother Devuti told she is getting tired, but her service was service to Kardamuni, mm -hmm. right? And. Uh, it's not like material. No, but she also had spent, what was it, 100 autumns? Oh, flying okay. around. Oh, yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, right, right, right. right. Okay. <laughs> so then she said, oh, geez, what a waste okay. of time. Okay. That, okay? Okay, thank you. Yeah. 
Any other thoughts? So I have a question. Um, I have been uh, constantly thinking the section we just covered, like uh, Kardamuni, he left to uh, travel yeah. all around. And the Lord said that, engage in my worship, traveling places and all that. And Prabhu also questioned that earlier, why to leave service of the Lord directly as a son and go places, to which you said that that's what he was many instructed. Many things, yes. And so, I mean, in real life now also, we see so many senior devotees. They travel all over the world preaching. I mean, they, they may or may not be grihasthas or kind of they have, uh, I mean, they are in that age group where it's recommended they should. Like your gumrash. 50 onwards, you know, like yeah. you have mentioned several times in the classes also. Oh, well, he's a So is it, uh, is it to cultivate detachment from the grihastha life uh, and at the same time to carry the message of God to other masses, which is, which is devotional service to, like Krishna says, who shares my knowledge and, you know, to, uh, and brings, you know, basically they are trying to serve Krishna by removing ignorance of the people, uh, sharing with them signs of Krishna, bringing them closer to Krishna, rather than staying in one temple and directly worshipping. Right. So for uh, mostly it's to dedicate their life to service to Krishna. Some of them may stay in one place to do that service. That's another thing that's individual needs and the needs for devotional service in a particular situation. Um, I, I did, I think, at the very beginning of this class, quote that point by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, that if somebody is really having a very favorable um, relationship with a wife and they're both focused on devotional service, then there's no need for sannyas, he says. Um, the one, sometimes, you know, sometimes if you mention sannyas to your average person in the D.C. area, they would tend to think that it's kind of a cruel thing. Not cool, cruel. Yeah, right? That, you know, how can you leave? You know, someone's been with you for 30 years, 40 years, whatever, 20 years, and you just pick up and leave, right? Um, don't you love that person? It can be seen as a very wonderful thing because if you just, you know, because, um, one, one of you is going to die, right, earlier than the other, right? And that separate, that, you know, so to, so the question, so there's going to be separation no matter what. So whether it should be planned and done carefully, and, you know, because especially now in ISKCON, if, if a husband wants to take sannyas, they have to make sure that the wife is financially taken care of, emotionally taken care of, has a place to stay, you know, not just like, see you later, alligator, right? Um, so planning that and then, and then dedicating, and then both of them have a time where they're not just clinging on, even though death is gonna rip us apart, but consciously saying, you know, death is gonna come, I can deal with this, right? Um, so it has that, it has, uh, maybe not soft-hearted, but it has it it it, it uh, acknowledges a reality. It acknowledges a reality. 
that we all have to face. That even the greatest, matter of fact, you can even, one could argue um, that the most wonderful relationships, let's say between husband and wife, that even is more painful when, when one of them dies. Right? It's, isn't it very often, uh, it, it happened actually with my in-laws, that um, they had been married a very long time, 50 years maybe, I don't really know. Uh, and then very soon after my mother-in-law passed away, my father-in-law just kind of like, you know, kind of lost the desire to live, right? You know, and didn't uh, take care of himself so well and passed away soon after that. Um, and I mean, somewhat after that, but we see that often in, in the world, not always, but often. So there is um, that extra benefit of accepting the reality and dealing with it. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, cold-hearted, um, it can, I know, for example, um, like with uh, a good friend of mine, could, uh, well, I guess I won't mention his name, but a good friend of mine who was a Grihast and then um, took sannyas. And, uh, you know, so he wanted to be a really good sannyasi, which means to really focus on his renunciation. But he made total uh, arrangements to make sure that his wife was fully taken care of, and he would even come up to me sometimes and say, Brudge, can you check on her? Make sure things are okay. And, you know, let me know. Because he didn't want to, you know, it wasn't, it's not appropriate for sannyasi to then deal directly. But, uh, but he was, you know, very concerned. Um, so there you go. Um, you know, my wife keeps asking me, when are you going to take sannyasi? Come on. <laughs> yes, Mike? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, you know, the, uh, the Benedictines in the Catholic Church. Uh, hold on, Mike. You, you, you know better than me. Hold, hold it properly. It's on. Yeah, okay. Can you hear me? Um, the Benedictines? The Benedictines in the Catholic Church, uh, when they join the order, many of them take a vow of stability. So they vow to not leave that place. And I think the idea there is to consolidate a community that doesn't move out around too much so that a, a solid identity and a, like a physical foundation of a right. community can be placed. And I'm wondering if, you know, ISKCON experienced very quick expansion at the beginning. And I'm wondering if it's changing more towards a situation where a vow of stability makes more sense than a vow to wander. Well, uh, you know, it, it different slokes for different folks. Um, it would, I think it would just depend. The, the, of course, when one's health is deteriorating, uh, an intense period of travel, obviously, you know, is difficult, right? There are some benefits for a renunciate to, to what is that saying? A rolling stone gathers no moss, right? So you don't, um, you know, uh, renounce your family and your house and everything, then you just have another house, <laughs> you know? So that's, uh, that's one of the benefits of traveling. Even there's a, a uh, pastime where Narada Muni gets cursed to um, travel constantly, right? And Srila Prabhupada writes in the purport that I have also, it seems that I think I've also been cursed by some of the parents of my disciples. <laughs> and therefore I constantly have to travel. <laughs> um, so, so I think it really would depend on the, the 
the situation. So that's the benefit of, of, of the traveling, you know, just uh, a friend. I found that, <laughs> this is giving away trade secrets here. Um, if, uh, if I travel a lot, if let's say I have like a really good class, right? I know how to give it, I got it in my mind, you know, make a point, right? I can give that same class at 10 different temples, and if they haven't, you know, nowadays it's a little harder, they can listen on the internet, but otherwise, in the old days, you can, and we say, wow, that's a really good class, and all they, then they don't realize it's the only good class I can give. <laughs> because I give it, you know, so many times. But uh, that's uh, one of the advantages. But, but there are people, are like, I know, matter of fact, our, our very dear friend, uh, His Holiness Mukunda Maharaj, who just is in the hospital right now, uh, and is on the mend apparently, but you know he's in his mid 70s, one of the more senior people, and one of our you know may, maybe some of the devotees here. No, Mataji knows him very well. Uh, he was stayed here some time, and now he's just staying in one place in Australia. And that just for someone of his age and his health requirements makes total sense. Is that all right? Yeah, um, and you know maybe it's just my personality, my mindset, but for me it seems like the 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 vow to wander benefits one person mostly the guy who's wandering a vow of stability is a commitment to everyone who lives there so i kind of lean that way like uh -huh. i prefer the vow of stability just because it seems to benefit the immediate community well yes and it's not or it's not but it's and um the for the very same reasons of benefiting others, uh, traveling is sometimes emphasized because you meet, um, you know, so many people. Um, and so you need both, right? You can't, it's just like if, if, if we were all just, if there was no temple here and we were all just, you know, going around, you couldn't help people come to the next step. <laughs> they would all get introductory Krishna consciousness 101, but there's no 201, 301, 401, you know. So um, it, it does seem like in our community here to be somewhat of a good combination. We get, uh, let me see if I get everyone's name, we get uh, Gopal Krishnamaraj, Ramapad Swami, um, Ajay Patakamaraj was here not too long ago, uh, Radna Swami, Vaisheshika Prabhu, who am I missing and amongst Hanuman Prasheg Maharaj, et cetera, right? And they come, they stay for a few days, and then they go, but then we also have uh, um, you know, devotees may not be on you know that stature, but you know people like Anuttama Prabhu and others who who stay here, and uh, you know that kind of combination is nice. You know, I think you'd all get pretty bored of you know having Brajabihari giving all the talks all the time. Of course, he does give this one. Uh, you know, so it's nice to have that variety as a spice of life. But we will make sure that we create a Benedictine Iskon for you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Jiva. Yeah, there you go. Hare Krishna. So just following up to the purpose you're referring to, where Srila Prabhupada said that, you know, it seems like I also have to travel because of the, you know, the disciples' parents have given a similar curse to me. So as he's saying, further he goes in the purport in describing that once my disciples are mature, maybe I can pass it on to them and can stay at one place. Yes, he did say that. So it was very interesting. I kind of like saw that, you know, he is saying that I want to get into that stable position while others can travel. 
because that's what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati yes. Thakur would do. He would send out his disciples afterwards when he was mm -hmm. sick, and the disciples were traveling more than he himself. So that's just yes. a tradition that goes on. And at the very end of life, one does what's called a nirjan bhajan, where one just stays in one place and just focuses on chanting and hearing like that. Yeah, I, I mean, what you just said, um, I guess has kind of been my philosophy in life, because you know, sometimes you'll run into an ISKCON devotee who's been at like you know, 18 different temples in their career. But really, for me, it's just been three over 40 years. And for my wife, also three. I just, uh, for her, San Diego, Brindavan here. And for me, Detroit, Brindavan here. Okay, but shall we move, shall we wander to the next verse? Okay, and remind me to end five minutes early, Michael. Okay, you are the supreme personality of God. I'm not talking about you guys. Um, the, that was supposed to be a joke. The, the origin and supreme lord of all living entities. You have arisen to disseminate uh, the rays of the sun in order to dissipate the darkness of the ignorance of the universe. Text 10. Now be pleased, my Lord, to dispel my great delusion. Due to my feeling of false ego, I have been engaged by your maya, your illusion, and have identified myself with the body and consequent bodily relations. In the purport, uh, about four sentences down. Does this mean that the Lord discriminates by engaging one in his devotional service and another in sense gratification? Is it just like, you know, eeny, meeny, money, mo, right, kind of thing? If that were true, it would be an incongruity on the part of the Supreme Lord, but that is not the actual fact. As soon as a living entity forgets his real constitutional position of eternal servitorship to the Lord, and wants instead to enjoy himself by sense gratification, he is captured by maya. He chooses maya. We choose maya. And then we're influenced by maya. So this is speaking on the, uh, or on the existential level. Then skipping two sentences, three sentences. The Lord is merciful. If anyone wants to forget him and enjoy this material world, he gives him full facility, not directly, but through the agency of his material potency. So, you know, so Krishna allow, gives us minute independence, and we can choose whether to serve him or not. He doesn't put a gun to our head and say, um, serve. Hmm. Therefore, since the material potency is the Lord's energy, indirectly it is the Lord who gives the facility to forget him. Not directly, though just by providing the playground. But, you know, if we could choose the swings or the, uh, the seesaw or whatever, that's up to us. He just provides the facility. Okay, if this is what you want, this is what you get. Devahuti therefore said, my engagement in sense gratification was also due to you. <laughs> but we can't blame Krishna for it, that's the point. Indirect is different than direct. Now kindly get me free from this entanglement. So an important philosophical point being made here, right? That um, Krishna provides this world, but
But the mess that it's in and the mess that we create is our doing and not his. Directly. Right. Yes? Pro, uh, somewhere we studied in earlier chapters, Kant or that soul is responsible for uh, deliberate disobedience. The soul? Yeah, yeah us, not the... Yeah, um, but do, do we get this? This is a very important point that when we, um, you know, what, what, did it, what did they say? They used to say uh, in TV in the 70s, the devil made me do it, right? You remember that show? Uh, it was Henry, was that the, I forget what it was. The devil made me do it. Or, you know, uh, it, it's God's fault. Or I'll become a devotee when Krishna wants me to be. You heard that one? You know, right? So this, this is giving away responsibility. But we have, uh, re think of it, response and ability. We have the ability to choose our response to situations. On the most existential level, when we literally choose, do we want to serve matter or serve God, serve Krishna? And on the daily basis, when we, you know, uh, when, um, I've said that joke before, uh, when there was a fork in the road, Yogi Bear says, pick it up. But anyway, there's a fork in the road, uh, and, um, you know, we have a choice between uh, doing the right thing or doing the not-so-right thing or sometimes doing the really wrong thing. But that we have that ability to choose. Otherwise, why would there be Shastra? Why would there be scriptures? Why would Krishna speak to Bhagavad Gita telling us, do this, don't do that? If we, if we didn't have any, the, the word often used in psychology and uh, allied fields is agency. If we didn't have the agency to, uh, to choose um, right from wrong. And one of the problems of the world today, one of the challenges in the world is the wrong seems like much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> right? There was a guy when I was growing up, what was his name? Billy Joel, who sang uh, the, the, who is it? That's right. I'd rather, what was it? Laugh with the sinners and die with the saints because the sinners have much more fun. Cry with saints. Yeah, the sinners have much more fun. That's right. Only the good die young. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that Shastric reference. <laughs> yes. Hare Krishna. So as I was reading this uh, purport and previously how Lord expressed, there's a lot of similarity between this and Bhagavad Gita. Because, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> I hope so, since uh, Krishna mentions Sankhya in verse 39 of the second chapter. Yes. And now we're studying Sankhya. Right. So there Arjuna is saying that I'm bewildered. Please guide me. Right? I surrender right. to you as your disciple. Here she is saying that you are the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Please free me from this entanglement. Correct. She has more clear vision than Arjuna because he was really bewildered. That's the difference. And then here it is also early expressed that the disciplic succession was broken. So Kapil Dev is reestablishing through Sankhya Yoga mm -hmm. that knowledge base. Yes. While, you know, same thing was said by Lord Krishna. So there's a lot of same sequence going on. Yes, and what we can pick up from this is, is a, a mood, right? Um, and this is like the 
this is, you know, in one sense, this is the key to making advancement in Krishna consciousness, uh, is the mood that, uh, just like that song goes, Gurudev Kripa Bindu Diya, Karoe Dase, you know, that, you know, my dear spiritual master, my dear Lord Krishna, my dear Lord Chaitanya, I need your help. I, I you know, it, it's, um, <clears throat> it's just like in the second verse of the Shikshastakam, right, where, where Lord Chaitanya is praying that the, the, the holy name has all benedictions, it can do everything for us, but Durdaiva Mijis, I have no taste because I commit offenses. And he doesn't in the next verse say, but, ah, that's okay, it's all good. No, therefore his reaction to that feeling of uh, that I commit offenses is is to be a, more humble than a more you know, lower than the blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree. And, and as Srila Prabhupada says, uh, like a calling out like a child for his mother. And he also talks about that if we're satisfied in material comfort, you don't have that mood of, of uh, you know, that I need Krishna's mercy, please. I am bewildered. I, you know, I'm going to die. I'm getting old. And, and you know, I've screwed up so many things in my life. But Krishna, you know, you're my only hope. You're my only hope. There's a sharanagati um, uh, is to think that Krishna is our only maintainer. Right? Because, we, you know, we, we, yeah, we kind of the theoretically accept that that might be okay. Right? But are we, there? Are we our maintainer? No. <laughs> right? What if you lose your job? Are you still your maintainer? What if you get in an accident and you can't work? Are you still your maintainer? Right, Krishna uh, maintain, actually is our maintainer. And then the other symptoms of surrender, humility, to accept things favorable and to re reject things unfavorable, and also think that Krishna is our protector. That doesn't mean we don't get an alarm system or lock our door, oh, Krishna will take care of the car. No, we, you know, we, we deal practically, but, but to have that mood of dependence, it's not the opiate of the people kind of thing. This is just some silly thing. It's a very, very deep spiritual consciousness uh, that we want to cultivate uh, of dependency, dependency on the Lord. Um, and it should be, uh, we're going to talk about this at the Sunday Open House, but it should be based on philosophy. We were, we were reading yesterday in the uh, Gita class. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick, but what was that? Uh, religion without philosophy is sentiment, or sometimes fanaticism, while philosophy without religion is mental speculation. So we should deeply philosophically understand Sambanda again, understand the Lord, uh, his, the reality of the Lord, but then don't leave it in the, in the head, don't leave it a cerebral exercise, but rather connect it with the heart and say, oh, Krishna, please, you know, please let me chant your name with devotion. Please let me, you know, let me serve your devotees. Please give me the privilege. We, we pray to Tulsi Devi. Please give me the privilege of devotional service. Make me your own maidservant, right? Um, so there's this bhav that we want to cultivate. Um, not like, yeah, you know, because we all know, just like I don't know how many of you are parents, we've talked about this before, but a parent knows the different cries of their child, right? 
and we all, and a parent, especially mothers, but all fathers also, you know that particular cry where you got to run and help the child. There's, it's serious. It's not just like, yeah, I'm trying to get your attention. There's a lot of cries. Most cries are like that, right? You know, or I didn't get, you know, those French fries or whatever it is, right? But that cry when, you know, total dependence, right? So Krishna also knows when we're chanting, you know, if it's just Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, it's all good, you know, right? Or that real intense effort to focus on the name when we're chanting. So just wanted to, as a follow-up, when you, every time you say the fork in the road, I kind of like, I had been meditating on it for some time. The fork I realized, the Yeah, the fork in the road. So oh. the road that takes the path of surrender to Krishna's lotus feet leads to success. And then the other part of the road, the other road on the fork, is basically a, you know, it's illusion, it's bewilderment, where you're thinking just little more effort and I'll be successful. Right. Right, but that other fork sometimes looks really attractive. Looks like a much nicer fork. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's that? Many are yes. So let's do um, one more verse at least, or two more. Uh, Devahuti continued. I think she did when she gets on the chart there. I have taken shelter of your lotus feet. So listen, she's really taking shelter because you are the only person to whom to take shelter. We take shelter of, you know, so many things. You are the axe which can cut the tree of material existence. I therefore offer my obeisances unto you who are the greatest of all transcendentalists. And I inquire from you as to the relationship between man and woman and between spirit and matter. Prabhupada writes in this purport, Sankhya philosophy, as is well known, deals with Prakriti and Purusha. Purusha is the supreme personality of Godhead or anyone who imitates the Supreme Personality of God as an, as an enjoyer. Because in Sanskrit, often the same word can be used in different contexts, uh, have different meanings according to the context. As in English, uh, and prakriti means nature. In this material world, material nature is being exploited by the purushas, or the living entities. So this is, see, this is, the reason I chose to read this purport is it basically summarizes all of Sankhya in one purport. The intricacies, is that, did I read that one? No. The intricacies in the material world of the relationship, oh wait, the intricacies in the material world of the relationship of the Prakriti and Purusha, or the enjoyed and the enjoyer, is called sangsara, or material entanglement. Devahuti wanted to cut the tree of material entanglement, and she found the suitable weapon in Kapilamuni. The tree of material existence is explained in the 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita as an Ashwata tree whose root is upward and whose branches are downward. It is recommended there that one has to cut the root of this material existence, the material existential tree with the axe of detachment. What is the attachment? The attachment involves Prakriti and Purusha. The living entities are trying to lord it over material nature. We hear that a lot. Try to lord it. You know, have you ever read that and, think, and kind of just go to the next sentence, even though you heard it a hundred times, but you didn't really think about what, what Prabhupada is trying to say? So there's this material nature, right, all around us. And in try, instead of trying to take that nature and use it in Krishna's service, 
We try to be the Lord, because the Lord is the enjoyer. We try to be the Lord of this material nature and use it looking out for number one, ourselves, or our extended number ones, our family, our society, etc. So that's what lording it over material nature means. Since the conditioned soul takes material nature to be the object of his enjoyment, and he takes the position of the enjoyer, he is called Purusha. You got that? That's in, that, that sentence just basically tells the whole Krishna consciousness, a large part of the Krishna conscious philosophy, right? We, we take our material nature, this world, and you know, all the objects of it, to be for our enjoyment, and therefore we take the position of the enjoyer of those things. And therefore we're called the Purusha, although Krishna is the real Purusha. Devahuti questioned Kapila Muni, for she knew that only he could cut her attachment to this material world. So again, that, that point about we can't do it on our own. We need help. Right? The example that Prabhupada gives sometimes, we've talked about before. How are we doing time-wise? Because I had to end five minutes early today. Yeah, we have three more minutes, right? Um, Prabhupada gives the example that... <laughs> I remember when I first saw this, it was like totally mind-boggling, but after living in India for 21 years, I got used to it. Uh, the person on the bicycle holding on to the back of the tractor or the bus, and just smiling, you know, and not, not, a, not having to pedal or anything, just, you know. Can you imagine doing that in Potomac? <laughs> you, someone would call 911 within like three seconds. Um, and that, the idea, though, that he didn't have to pedal, he's just taking the energy. And, you know, and so that, that's what we need to do. We need to grab hold of Krishna's, uh, or as Prabhupada would say, just grab hold of my dhoti as a spiritual master and I'll drag you back to Godhead. But, you know, that idea that we are not strong enough on our own. The living entities in the guises of men and women. So we all have our guises on for this lifetime. Some have the guise of men, some have the guises of women. But the idea of the, the word guises is that it's not permanent. And in matter of fact, you wouldn't be surprised if most men in this world become women in their next life, because that's who they meditate on, and vice versa. Now, of course, you know, um, that's not, we won't think about the LG and all that stuff, but, you know, uh, but just the idea, right? Okay. So the guy, I thought that was a really, you know, sometimes Srila Prabhupada just, cuts right to the chase, right, you know. In the guises of men and women are trying to enjoy the material energy. Therefore, in one sense, everyone is purusha, because purusha means enjoyer, and prakriti means enjoyed. In this material world, both the so-called men, there it is again, and the so-called woman are imitating the real purusha. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is actually the enjoyer in the transcendental sense, whereas others us, we're actually Prakriti. So we're actually Prakriti, but we're trying to be Purusha. The living entities are considered Purusha. In the Bhagavad Gita, matter is analyzed as apara, or inferior nature, Whereas beyond this inferior nature, there is another superior nature, the living entities. Living entities are also prakriti or enjoyed, but under the spell of maya, 
The living entities are falsely trying to take the position of enjoyers. And, you know, it's like the fish out of water, right? You can give the fish anything, a Mercedes-Benz and, a, you know, you know uh, eight, an unlimited ATM card and whatever, right? All the, all the fish wants to do is go back in the water, right? So similarly, we're trying, we're trying so hard to be, enjoy this world and be the Lord and control things and things don't go our way. We get so frustrated. And it would just, everything changes if you just say, Krishna, I'm yours. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a Prakriti, not a Purusha. That is the cause of samsara bandhan, or conditioned life. Devahuti wanted to get out of conditioned life and place herself in full surrender. So that is the end of the class today. So next week there will not be a class. And I plan to have a class on Christmas Eve morning. Uh, if there is any change, I'll send out an email about that. But otherwise, we will have a class two weeks from today. But no class uh, next Sunday. My son is graduating from college. So I have to go to the graduation. I mean, I want to go to the graduation. <laughs> I got to go to the graduation. <laughs> <laughs> so have a wonderful uh, Krishna. Yes, Prabhu? Uh, well, uh, we're quick. Outside, afterwards, okay. So have a wonderful Krishna conscious week, um, and uh, we'll see you soon. Hare Krishna. All glory to Srila Prabhupada.